0: Hey everyone, welcome to the podcast where I share my journey writing my first novel. I am a small business owner and entrepreneur living on the coast of Maine with my cat and my husband. Before we get started, I would like you to please subscribe to my mailing list. It's linked in the episode and podcast descriptions and all I'm asking for is an email and a name, just a first name, and I will email you Whenever the heck my first novel is ready, I literally just woke up, guys. I woke up, got out of bed after a few minutes, and stepped outside. I tried to record an episode last night, but it was too cold. I tried to record an episode like, a week and a half ago, and I was sharing way too much, and even last night, I was just like, this is lame. <laughs> um, yeah, I've been trying to get back around to an episode. The thing is, these are kind of therapeutic for me, but only when the time is right, and I think now is the time where I just need to get out and get some thoughts out and kind of just organize my my feelings around this writing journey. And as I've mentioned many times before, this journey for me is always going to be up and down. That's just how I am. Last night I was feeling kind of sick, um, and the last time I felt sick from stress was in February, and I threw up, not last night, but in February, and I thought it was food poisoning from some deli meat that I had in New York, the last time I was in New York, and I was debilitated for two or three days and I can't I uh I get well enough just in time to hop back on the bus to get home to Maine and the next day my roommate Well, he used to be my roommate my friend I stay with him whenever I go down to New York now and we are friends no longer roommates um he ate the meat that I left. I don't know why I didn't throw it away, but I think I realized after the fact, or maybe I just forgot about it because I wasn't feeling well, but he ate it and he did not get sick. So stress can do like incredible things to your mind and your body, like incredibly bad things. Stress is not good. And I don't know if you've ever heard that like phrase or the joke where if uh somebody is like always drunk and then like you don't know how they are sober. It's almost like that for me with stress. It feels like because I feel like I'm always on some sort of edge. I'm always thinking too much and stressing about something. And my mom and I joke about this sometimes because I'll be stressed about something, and I'll I'll try to like I forgot what it was, and I'll try to be remembering like what was I stressing out about just a second ago, and then I'll remember I'm like oh yeah like I need to fix that. <laughs> That's just my state of being. And it's just a uh, not a good place to be in mentally, and then I don't realize how bad it is until, I guess until I get sick because. There's no other way of me knowing if I've never, if I've never been in a state of non-stress. So last night I was just kind of like, yeah, this is bad. I'm going to go to sleep. And what I did was I watched, actually I watched a relaxing documentary and maybe you've seen it. It's on Netflix and it's called My Octopus Teacher. It was a little weird just a little weird because it's like this guy and this octopus and he's like saying how he, he loved this octopus and a little bit like in an intimate way. It just It just kind of seemed weird, but the documentary was really cool and you all know I'm writing like, well, anyways, my series is water-based, so I was like, I feel good about this. I feel inspired. I'm going to do a little bit of writing and i wanted to switch gears because the editing process while i was having fun with it it's becoming another stressor for me and i've also just been really busy at work so i think that's the main <clears throat> i think that's the main problem um trying to fit in these editing sessions while also like working all day long so it's been stressing me out and I thought maybe I would write really crappy writing try it just try it really crappy writing for the first book in my series maybe I can get an outline done like a really crappy rough outline that kind of just goes through the motions and the actions of what's going on don't focus on any detail, don't focus on too much dialogue, um, just kind of write it out. And I wrote 300 words that way. I hated them immediately, obviously, um, but then I also just felt even more stressed. And I was like, no, this is not working. Closed it, and then just ranted about my my anxiety on Instagram with my friends and then went to bed. And today, um, it's a busy week. I have like this last minute model coming to New York. Um, just all this last minute, like bookings and last minute stuff that I have to deal with that I don't want to deal with. And it's nice to just come outside and walk and talk there's something different about it versus like going for my run and i haven't been able to like really go for a walk or a run for the past week because i've been way too busy and the choice is always do i do a little bit of an edit session or do i go outside and run and it's been getting cold so i haven't really wanted to go outside to run i have felt very unmotivated in that regard, and it might be something where I start going to the YMCA for the winter, but I really joined the YMCA for the rock wall, which is closed now because of COVID, and I'm thinking about just deferring that for three more months because they give you six months, and it's been six months. Um, life is hard. If any of you have like really great ways to meditate or anything like that or have a way to manage stress, good for you because you are way ahead of the game. So many people cannot manage their stress. I would assume I cannot. I'm in a constant state of stress. And I think that'll only change when I'm able to delegate more of my business like away from me and just like Manage it from more of a distance, which will be nice. I think I'll be able to manage my stress then because owning a business is intense. And then I could just really focus in on writing and not stressing out too much about it. And it's also a stressor just like knowing how long it's going to take me to edit this book and that I just want to be done with it. It takes up so much energy. It almost feels like it's just sapping sapping my strength in a way um because I've been doing this for a couple weeks now I edited the first chapter which introduced one character and that was fun that was great I'm really proud of it I love that scene in general and then I had to write a new scene for my non-binary character Zaletta so I wrote that new scene pretty intensely and then I edited it a few times and then I went on to the next one with Crimsy my main character and I had to redo some of that too I had to because I moved it up quite a bit in the book so I I basically rewrote the beginning of that tied it in at the end and then did some edits actually No, I actually did not do any edits on that one. I just kind of really intensely, like, rewrote it and then left it because it was so draining. And there's a lot of body language, and I'm, like, trying to learn about body language right now, and it was just way, way, way too much. So I went on to the next scene with the next character. Um... Felice, who is the first character um, in the first scene, first chapter. So it goes back to Felice in this fourth scene. So I started that and I was having some fun with it, but that I've also been really busy and it's just like sapping my strength. And so like slowly over time, as I get deeper and deeper into this book, I'm like becoming a husk. It feels like and it could just be that I'm really busy. It could be any number of things. It could be that maybe I'm editing too intensely and I need to do my first pass and then edit again later. Or I don't know. It's just taking a lot, a lot, a lot of energy. And last night it was just like, it all came down on me at once. All of the stress, all of these like intense feelings of anxiety and just being overwhelmed just came in on me all at once and so I I did try to do some like really bad writing of my book series and that also did not go well and I just needed to like not write and I do worry that I'm doing this in such small chunks that this won't be done for like two years and we'll see, but that's how, that's how small of a chunk of writing I'm talking about here. It'll, I'm going through each tiny, tiny little movement. And I'm wondering almost if I'm doing, maybe what I'm doing is like all of the edits at once and you're supposed to only do one edit and one pass and then go again. And maybe that's, what's draining my energy. Um, because I'm, I'm going over it like a, a few times and then getting maybe a little bit of feedback from my mother-in-law and then going over it again based on that feedback or rewriting some things. And to, an, to a certain extent, it is still enjoyable. It is still fun, but it is slowly becoming less and less enjoyable. And I need to find a way to like avoid that because I obviously want to still enjoy this. And I want to enjoy writing like this series and I want to just enjoy this craft. But with a full time business, more than full time at the moment, fall is actually quite busy for for me in general. Um, uh, Historically, October and November, actually, well, no, October has historically been my craziest craziest month so like last October was my best month but then I have really good Novembers because everyone's rushing to get in before the holidays and right now with the pandemic everyone's catching up on their stuff so not only is it already going to be a busy season But it's even busier because of that. And I'm still, like, trying to manage everything. And I'm just, like, waiting and waiting for just the right moment to go full-time with my really great employee, who is my first ever booker, who is not me. Um, I've just... The plan originally was to start in May, but obviously that didn't happen because of the pandemic. And now I'm just... uh, just unsure of what's going to be what's going to happen next what's going to happen next in the world like what's the world doing before I like jump into something that's going to cost a bunch of money (laughs) um and potentially cost any cushion that I might be able to have over the over the winter or you know super paranoid about the apocalypse again me the the stress ball I'm always thinking about what's happening in the world and when the apocalypse is coming so and at that point money wouldn't <laughs> it wouldn't even matter. So I don't even know. I don't know. I don't I don't know the answers. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that has a roller coaster journey. So maybe maybe you listeners out there that stick around and listen to each episode, maybe this is your journey too. And you're not alone. It's really, really awful to be this stressed all the time. Um, And that's why I'm out in nature. Like, if I were in the city, it would either be worse or the same. I don't know. So there was one, like, specific writing thing that I did want to share with you. um, And it goes back to this, like, very detailed way of editing, and how much writers manipulate their readers. And I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode, uh, just, like, little notes on things that you can do with your the flow of your writing and the wording of your writing, um, and even just, like, the way that you set up the paragraphs, stuff like that, things that you can do that affects the reader in a certain way and gives them, you know, a certain mental image or a certain feeling... And it just like just little ways to manipulate your reader into believing the story even more. And it's really interesting. It's really fun. It's really cool. And that's why I'm getting sucked into such a, such a minute little editing technique. So on my third chapter, introducing the main character, Crimsy, I had this general vague idea of how to edit the first paragraph because that kind of like just that moment was staying the same. Um, I just wanted to add these neat little rhetorical devices into it, which if you don't know what rhetorical devices are, you should definitely look into that. Um, Listen to my previous episode as well, where I talk about them. So I wanted to add some rhetorical devices that I was kind of learning learning about. And I might even like when this episode goes out, I might even post this little bit of writing in my stories potentially on at the transition age. Um I posted it last night to my friends only um on Instagram and it's in stories so it's going to go away. But This little bit of writing took me all day and I was so proud of it. I read it so many times and it starts off with Crimsy needs to jump into this lake and it's really high up. He's on this precipice and it begins with him saying just as he's here, he remembers exactly why he hates survival daily and None of y'all know what Survival Daily is. None of you know what, why he's jumping into this lake or what his surroundings are. So I use rhetorical devices and I use that first sentence as a way to enrich the reading. And I, I basically, I basically said, these are the things, these are the reasons he doesn't hate Survival Daily. It's not this, it's not this. It's not even this. And then I empower, like, the next sentence. And all those three things are, like, descriptions. Basically including descriptions, like, of why he doesn't hate Survival Daily. Like, this bright light that's in his face. Or just, like, the hunger that's going to be coming later. Um, All just, like, clues into what Survival Daily is and where he is. And I, I, I did this on purpose, but also, like in a way it came out sort of naturally just because I already had some of those descriptions and such already like written on the page I just had to move them up into this rhetorical device and then I state and empower like the next thing he hates it because he's different it reminds him that he's different and then I think I use another rhetorical device like emphasizing why he's different how he's different and kind of like um, just alluding to his mutantness and also alluding that he is viable. And we don't know what viable means, but just before this paragraph, just before this chapter, the ending of the previous chapter was, hey, you're viable. And we don't know what that means. So I'm just like emphasizing like this is a bad thing. Or potentially a good thing. We don't know. Um, but Crimsy doesn't seem to like it. And, um, then it ends with him going over the ledge into the water. And before he jumped, but I think my character's a little cowardly. And I, I think Lisa likes him more than me, my mother-in-law. I actually don't love this character, but she likes him because she thinks he's powerful. And I'm like, no, he is kind of like a coward. So I'm going to have him jump like a coward, but you can't jump over the ledge into a lake like a coward that defeats the, per like the, that defeats the definition of the word. And I was like, well, you can leap, you can leap like a coward, like in a cowardly way. But, like, just the act of jumping over a ledge is not cowardly. So I was, like, thinking about it, thinking about it. And actually, she had to make the suggestion. But she was like, what if he gets pushed? I'm like, oh, my God. Yes, he gets pushed by his arch nemesis, like this other classmate, pushes him over the ledge and laughs at him. And that emphasizes his cowardliness in a perfect, perfect way. It gets him an out from having to jump over the ledge, even though he's done it before in the past. That doesn't matter. He gets pushed over the ledge, and that's what you as the reader see. And you see also this person laughing at him. So I wanted to bring this passage up that I was working on because it sets him up for later. And I I couldn't have accomplished this without all of, like, trying these rhetorical devices and without all of my learning. And I didn't even realize that this passage was going to say something so deeply about Crimsy until Lisa was like, you can't jump cowardly. And I was like, oh. And so just by switching the last sentence of this little tiny passage, by switching it to him being pushed... It completely changes his character in the eyes of the reader. And then it sets him up for a similar situation where he can overcome it for a different reasoning. For it being not reasoning for him, like, for himself. Like, he doesn't want to do anything good for himself. Like, he doesn't care where he ends up. But he does care about his family. He does care about his sister and his friends that he meets along the way. So later in the future, he could potentially jump over a ledge for somebody. Um, and have it be empowered because before he was just pushed, he couldn't do it. He was a coward. And I thought that that was really cool because I, I hardly even did that on purpose. It just came out. And now that it's there, I know it's there, but it's really hard to do those kinds of things super intentionally. And maybe with more of this, more practice, I'll get better at it, um, And I had a sense for where this passage was going. But it wasn't until I decided that Crimsy doesn't make the decision to jump that it it just changed everything. Now, it's very subtle, obviously. Like, the reader isn't going to, like, care too much. Oh, he got pushed over a ledge. But these are the kinds of things that people talk about when they talk about the writing craft. And it made me so excited to, like have this passage and have it like do what I wanted it to do. And when I say I'm going in deep on a line by line level, that's what I'm meaning. And that's why it's taking up so much of my energy. I would not have caught that moment if I hadn't been looking so closely at every single tiny little beat and movement happening in the book I wouldn't have caught that and I am as I'm speaking about this I'm realizing this is the crisis question that I keep talking about that is I'm sure it's more universal than story grid but story grid is what taught me about the crisis question the crisis question is Crimsy's standing here he's at the precipice his toes are dangling over the ledge what does he do and that question defines who this character is And if you want to define your character beat by beat, moment by moment, you have to look deeply. And I think if you're able to like spot those questions, because I think the problem is that I didn't spot it and I was just writing, but later found out that this is a crisis question. This is a moment where I can define the character. Those moments will define your characters and empower your writing and just make it a stronger read a stronger character and I've emphasized the importance of a crisis question in the past and how much it has taught me and like I really emphasize it because like that's the biggest takeaway I took from story grid um, it like just the crisis question this is how you define your character you don't need oh these are his habits these are his you know, ticks, whatever, like those enrich the writing. But what you really, really need is when there is a crisis, what does your character do? Um, so I might have this up in the uh, Instagram for 24 hours after I post this, um, this episode, if you want to try to read it. It'll only be up for 24 hours from the moment this goes live. And I, and I, um, I've been advised that having your writing out there is like a no-no before you publish. So don't tell anyone. <laughs> but yeah, it's, and it, it could be not even that great. I don't know. But my mother-in-law seemed to really like it. I really liked it. Um, hopefully it flowed as well as I wanted it to because it's a little, it's a little not not flowy to read it. But if I read it out loud a certain way, then it just, it feels good. It feels right. So feel free to check that out. The handle for the Instagram of my book and just my writing journey is at the transition age. And I did just mention something about reading my work out loud. That actually is also another point in these like lecture packets that I've been studying. My mother-in-law has really encouraged me to read these and you can find these resources at margielawson.com and I just wanted to put that out there because they have been helpful. Um, they've been quite helpful. It's a lot, a lot of inf- information to like take in and that's also probably adding to my stress. Like I'm on these body language. There's like six or more lectures like 23 page lectures on body language and that's where I'm at and I want to do some editing based on that but it's like I need I I probably need to take a break for my health but that'll probably be the next thing that I do but reading out loud also helps you like hear the flow of your work so what I've been doing as I'm editing is I've been reading my work out loud to myself And, like, just enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. But then also, like, if you have two words next to each other that end in a way that, like, kind of clashes, you can fix that. And I can't think of an example right now. But, like, you know, when you read... You know, like, when there are two words that just... The enunciation of each one is, like, hard to, like, pair together. Um, Just, like, change those. Because... They're usually easy changes to like, just change it to a different word, change one of the words to a different word and it'll flow better. So those are my thoughts and tips for today. Feel free to check out my Instagram and that little passage that I will post to the stories. Don't tell anyone. And, uh, yeah, feel free to check out, uh, The... I'll, I'll just, because my mother-in-law gave me permission to like tell you all about it. Um, the ones that I've been, I've been studying is like lectures on body language and then empowering characters, emotions is the other lecture. And then there's probably some on rhetorical devices as well. So like three different things. Feel free to check them out. Thanks for listening again. And I will talk to you next time.